Hey, you're listening to Drawing the Line. I'm Roman McCutcheon. And I'm Brad Reeves. And today we're going to continue, finally, our talk about sin. It's been about a month, but we're back and better than ever. Absolutely. Let's get started. So 10, if you don't remember who I am, my name is Roman. <laughs> and uh, I'm Brad. Yeah, and it's been a hot minute. Yeah, we took a late spring break. Uh, yeah, um, and maybe it was good for the soul, or maybe it was just... You know, I had some travel, you know, fully vaccinated. I'm just out and yeah. about. You, you got to see the world, man. I know. It's crazy. It's in the air. You feel it? Yeah, it feels right. I mean, I know that there's been a lot of um, loss and sadness associated with the pandemic, but as it as it retreats, it's nice to mm-hmm. get back to some normal things. And the last podcast I mentioned, I mentioned um, you go to Red Sox game. They sing Sweet Caroline. Yeah. I went to a Red Sox game. And guess what? They sang Sweet Caroline. Oh, that's pretty sweet. So I was I was happy. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, you're at you see you're on the were you on the Green Monster? Where were you? No, I don't know how you can get I, I was um I was on the third base side, so on the visiting side, uh Red Sox won. They were ahead, but then they came behind. They played the Angels, so I got to see Mike Trout. Oh sweet. Got to see Otani yeah. hit one over the Green Monster. Oh my goodness. Yeah, he's impressive. He is an animal. Yeah. Pitcher, he pitches, he hits, he does everything. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. I did see a... It's like being back in Little League. Yeah. Where the pitcher is the best player. Yeah, exactly. All round. Yeah, it's funny. I saw somebody, they posted because like he had pitched like 88 pitches and then they put him in right field because they needed his bat in the lineup still. Yeah. And somebody had like posted that stat and they were like, that's not a big deal. I did that when I was in, you know, second grade or third grade. Right. <laughs> You're right. Like, Fair. Exactly. <laughs> um, he is, he might be the second sinless human being. Oh, maybe, maybe it's yeah, what a transition. I'm just trying to get back to sin here. I don't know. At least on the baseball field, right? On the baseball diamond. Yeah. All right. So he's without sin. He is fair, I guess. I don't know. We're talking about sin again. <laughs> what a, what a segue. There was no way to land the baseball plane back into uh no, I don't know. Back into sin to continue our discussion. Yeah. From last time. Yeah. But, um, if you don't remember, uh, we talked about sin last. So we know it's been a You're while. You're trying to remind yourself. Be I'm honest. Tr- I know. I listened to it today. Um, and you can you know that because I remember the word teshuva. Yes, there we and, go. And uh, so I listened to a little bit. Anyway, no, I listened to it. And I needed to so that I could sort of remember what we're going to yeah, talk we about had to, today. We, right. And remember sort of where we left off and what we telegraphed that we were going to do, which is we were, I think, sort of musing at the end that we hadn't even necessarily defined sin. We yeah. just made a lot of jokes about mixed bathing and mixed <laughs> swimming and playing cards and yeah. and things like that, all these sort of uh, Christian guardrails that exist. But I, it was a good discussion, and I want to take it, you know, take it maybe a few steps further yeah. this time. Oh, I completely agree. And, I mean, it's why not just start with how we define sin? Do we think that there is a set definition? Do we think that, like, it can kind of be maybe a little bit ambiguous given the situation. Yeah, yeah, or, that's a good question. Um, often individual, or does ignorance count? How does it, how does anything, I mean, there's a lot you could, I mean, we could do a whole episode just on that, that idea in of itself, but um, I think it's a question that if you were to ask most people straight up and you're like, I need, I need a quick answer from somebody, I would, I would assume a lot of people would just say that's like Christian bad things. Maybe well, that's oversimplified, but. right? The l- labeling, sort of like we talked a little bit about last time. Yeah, there would there there's things that have been labeled, mm-hmm. and there there's a list. Yeah, there's a master list somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. Um, but you know, then I don't know the 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 master list sort of gets downloaded, right? In different formats. Yeah, yeah. Like like growing up, I was not allowed to say "shut up" in my house. Parents yeah. would not let me say "shut up" ever. And so if I did, you know, that is not honoring my mom and dad. But for some, 
It's not a big deal. So is that deal. sort of like a backdoor sin because it's not even necessarily that the shut up is intrinsically wrong, but if your parents had told you not to say it, then that's not honoring. I mean, that breaks a commandment, right? Right. So. I mean, yeah. I mean, like getting into things like that, like that's when I think that sin, the definition and defining sin can maybe be a little bit trickier once you really start to think about it. Yes. And that I'm so glad you said that because that's exactly why I think I wanted to have a second episode talking about this because I, I think it's not necessarily as straightforward as, as we sometimes assume that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say that there aren't some things that are clearly wrong. I think there are things that are, that are clearly wrong, but let's go back to your, to your question. I mean, you posed it. How, how do you, how do you define sin or is there, is there a way that you define it? Or is there sort of a shorthand or some, or how do you recognize something as being sinful, uh, I, I'm sure that relies on scripture, at least in, in some aspects, but mm-hmm. are there, are there other things, are there other factors that play in there for you? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, I don't think Christian bad things is specific enough. And I say Christian in front of that because I mean, I think you're not hearing the word sin for the most part outside of a church setting, I guess it's kind of a churchy word. Um, for it the is. most part. Yeah. And, and so I'm putting Christian in front well, of Well, it labels you like immediately. You made yeah. that point last time, I think, yeah. right? Like if you're out with friends or people in just a secular context, that word gets thrown out. All of a sudden there's like, you know, flavors of judgment and, mm-hmm. and all in religious overtones. All of that is bundled up with that word. Yeah. I, you know, for me, sin is... I want to use the word evil at some point yeah, when I, yeah. when I want to define sin, I think it's, you could say evil actions. And that sounds sometimes like, I don't know. That sounds exaggerated sometimes because I don't want to say like jaywalking is an evil action. Um, but it's, you know, going against what, you know, the law is. Right. And so it's evil may sound absolutely crazy, but in, in, I don't know. Or I as Jay-Z would say, going 55 and a 54. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's breaking the law, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I, I think, um, you know, then we got to well, define evil. Well, I think it's any action that would go against um, something that God has commanded. Or, yeah, that, let's go with that. An, an action that goes against something that God has commanded or inferred i guess um i guess that's the that's the best definition i could give just off the top of my head yeah no i I think that's good one thing when i started to not to get into any you know we already did hebrew word i think we did hebrew and greek words last time teshuva and metanoia Mm -hmm. but you know when i started to look a little bit deeper about you know okay sin coming up in the scripture um, there's not a one-to-one ratio in terms of the word that's used, the specific word that's used to describe sin, you know, from Hebrew or Greek. Mm-hmm. There, believe it or not, there are six different Hebrew nouns and three different Hebrew verbs that are used to describe sin. Yeah. And and it's and there's all these different flavors of, like you said, of, of evil, of something being sort of twisted or impure. And then you go to the New Testament and you have uh, five different Greek nouns that are used and uh, five different Greek adjectives that are used, three different Greek verbs that are used. And all yeah. of them, so my point in, in doing that or in walking through that is just that you've got between the Hebrew and Greek, you've got more than 20 different words that are used in the original language. And maybe it's because, as we've said before in this podcast, language is really just an approximation. So you have these words that are trying to capture something. They're trying to capture, like you said, um, maybe capture the concept that something is is evil, mm-hmm. um, or, or that I saw something that was helpful to me, maybe that something is contrary to the nature of God. Yeah. Um, you know, you say contrary to the commands of God, then we start really, I think, getting into, uh, you know, more, more theological sure. 
areas. Like for, for instance, one of the things I wanted to try to get to, I don't know if now is the right time to do it. Maybe it is, um, to get to today is to talk about Acts chapter 15, Mm -hmm. the, the council at Jerusalem, when Mm -hmm. what you had just to give you some background, if you're not immediately familiar with that is you had all of these Gentiles, non-Jews coming into Christianity, whereas up until that point, you know, up until, uh, Pentecost, really, and shortly after Pentecost, the the uh, Christians have been primarily Jews. Right. They have been, you know, Jewish Jewish people ethnically and religiously, and so then you have all of these non-Jews coming into the Christian faith, and I and I think I might get this number wrong, but I think you talk about the commands of God in the Old Testament. I think there's something like six hundred and thirteen. It's different a lot. commands. Yeah, something like I mean, it, there's yeah. the Ten Commandments, but I think if you if you put put your arms around all of them in Leviticus and Deuteronomy and um, and 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 look at the Ten Commandments, that you're talking about over 600 commandments. And so what was happening is you had certain Jews that were Jewish Christians. So yeah. these are we're all talking about Christians here. These are all people who've decided to follow Jesus, right? And have heard you know the message from Peter, from Paul, from the apostles from the disciples early on. So what's happening is that certain of these ethnically previously religious Jews that are now Christians are saying, Hey, there's like these 613 commandments from God that they got to follow. And guess what? If they don't follow those, including among other things, being circumcised as an adult, like (laughs) including circumcision, if you don't follow these, you're sinning. Right, they're they're sinning, and so we can't have these people that are just sort of like open sinners as a part of this new tribe, this new Christian faith. And so, what happens in Acts chapter fifteen is they all come together, and they're sort of like, "What do we do yeah. about this?" Yeah. And um, you know, to to sort of cut to the chase here, they they get together, they talk about it, they pray, and they end up writing a letter to all of these new churches to really be passed around to the non-Jewish Christians, these Gentile Christians who are just coming in. And it's really, it's interesting um, because they, they say a couple different things in the letter, but the part I wanted to focus in on is Acts chapter 15, verse 28, where they say, uh, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. So in other words, we understand that all these people are saying, hey, there's 613 different rules you need to follow. Right. But we've thought about it. We've prayed about it. The Holy Spirit is sort of involved here. And it sort of seemed good to us not to actually burden you with all those things. So instead, here, here's what we... And in, in, in the next, very next verse says... Um, don't eat food that's been sacrificed to idols. Um, and don't eat the blood of strangled animals. Yeah. Big problem. Very, very important not to do that. (laughs) And, and stay away from sexual immorality. Mm -hmm. You'll do well to avoid those things. So I, the reason, and sorry for going on so long, is just that I I thought it'd be interesting to talk about that passage because I think... Mm -hmm. What we have here is like a real-time assessment of like, okay, we've got all these commands from God, from Scripture, yeah, but yet when the rubber meets the road and we're trying to decide with people, real people, mm-hmm. all right, what are we binding on people? What is sin? What is not sin? They sort of look at it and they pray and they talk about it and they're like, well, we think maybe the Holy Spirit, maybe what we should do is... Just only say, "Hey, stay away from these three things." Yeah, and and it's interesting. The following, uh, the follow up. It says when they went and they read the letter to the people. It says the people were glad because of the encouraging message. Yeah, they were glad because the letter that came out from this council at Jerusalem wasn't like, guess what. <laughs> You guys are doing, you guys are screwing up in so many. Here's the list of all 613 things. Follow every single one. Oh, and by the way, welcome to the Christian fold. Yeah. Well, and that's why I think I like 
what he says in uh, verse 10. He says, Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? Ooh, that's good. That's good. Um, I mean, he's, he's, I mean, essentially, like, you're expecting a whole lot out of them that you've never been able to do yourself. Yeah, how about, and let's put it maybe in yours and mine language. Like, w- wait a second here. This is stuff we grew up dealing with, yeah. trying to deal with, unsuccessfully not following all these crazy rules that you laid down. Now you're going to try to enforce these same rules on other people. Guess what? It don't work. Right. Exactly. It doesn't work. And, and, and I think that it, it doesn't work because I mean, let's be real. If you can follow every single one of those, you're pretty much perfect. And, 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 and it's, it's even to an extent where like, I, I think that you, you could get, I didn't, I wasn't going to use lost in the sauce, but I think that you kind of get lost in the sauce by saying that, you know, you get, you, you, you get lost in making sure that you're following rules and not, and you're doing it to follow the rules instead of to glorify God. Well, the rules almost become the the thing to be worshiped. Right. Exactly. In the rule following. Um, and you can build, this is a little bit of what we talked about last week. You can build entire institutional structures that are just around focus on these rules Mm -hmm. and, oh, you've got to, and and again, not just the commission things, the things you shouldn't do, but, oh, we've also got a list of things you should be doing. Yeah. And it can all be about performance. It just be all, it becomes about total performance. Now this is going to be sort of my deconstructionist spirit coming out here but it's i think it's not just that if you followed all the rules you'd be perfect i mean i think we've looked at some of these rules in the old testament i mean quite frankly they didn't come out and say it this way but i'll say it some of those rules are not actually great rules here and now right right yeah yeah yeah. and and i think they could they could even recognize that in their time that yeah you know some of that stuff like the whole stoning people at the drop of a hat, maybe not a thing we should be doing now Probably after not. Jesus says, love your enemy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah. So they, they may have realized that some of these rules and some of these black and white categories of what is sin and what is not may not actually be particularly helpful under in this new world order in the as the kingdom of heaven arrives here on earth what this looks like sort of bursting forth some of these old rules actually are not helpful anymore well yeah i think they're taking do they're taking into account like being able to accept people where they are and allowing for growth and but does that make okay but does what i said make you nervous at all because it's one thing to sort of get rid of the stoning, mm-hmm. but what if there's other commands that you see in Scripture? Like, in other words, Roman, do you think we have the same power? Can we have the, the Council of Virginia Beach? Can you and I get together? Can we pray? Can we invoke the Holy Spirit? Can we discuss about some issue and, and what we should be binding upon other Christians and what things are sinful or not. And can we collectively come to an idea of what is sinful and what is not and what should be bound upon people and what we should loose them from? Can we do that? Do we have the power to do that in such a way that it might not uh, actually, uh, I guess, comport with the letter of Scripture? Um, like where we no, would loose people from things oh, in scripture. Right. I, I wouldn't No, I don't think I have that power. Not completely. Well, they thought they did. Right. And is that just because they were apostles because Paul and Peter were involved? Do you think that they had that apostolic authority to say, Hey, guess what? You can ignore 610 of those. Here are the three we have left. Well, I mean, I think they have a little bit of a special circumstance as apostles. Um, I right. Mean, being able to like hang out with Jesus, <laughs> right, um, right. Not Paul. He was the late. Well, yeah, board. Not, not Paul, he was but the late Peter, board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like being everybody able, else. Yeah, everybody else. But being able to have that experience is something that you know, you know. I'm like Jesus is sitting on the couch right now, physically, right. And so, um, no, I don't think I have the power to just be like, nah, you don't have to pay attention to that, or you should pay more attention to this. I do think though that. God has given us an ability 
to interpret and to do our best to try to figure out what's right and wrong. Yes. Oh, I, I do agree with that. So I think where we probably have common ground is in areas that are gray. Sure. Right. It, it areas because, you know, you've had to deal with in in ministry, in church ministry. I've had to deal with this in in ministry and church leadership, um, but also like in my professional life where, in fact, I even have like th there's this weird intersection sometime. In fact, I had a client today without revealing any specific client confidence. I'm not going right. to identify the client. Oh. But I had a client today who's also a Christian who happened to ask me um, a legal question and asked me about if something was legal. And then after I said, yeah, you know, assured the client that yes, this, this business activity was indeed legal, mm -hmm. you know, under state and federal law, et cetera. Right. And then, and then the client like shifts into a different mode and says, but is it right? Mm -hmm. Is it moral? Is it ethical? What do you think? Mm -hmm. And like every, I don't have a lot of, I don't have a, a ton of clients that will do that, but I have a few. Yeah. that will kind of ask me that. And it is this weird sort of like different hat that I put on. Mm -hmm. And of course, what, what do I do? I do what any, you know, good lawyer does. I, I turn it back into a question back on them, Absolutely. right? Instead of giving them an actual answer, <laughs> you know, I, because I, I really do think that, you know, what my moral compass is or what my ethics are, are, are one thing. But when somebody's trying to make a decision, it's almost like they need a guide to help right. walk, walk them through that. Yeah. You know, okay, well, what, what are the different, what are your considerations? What, what gives you pause about this? What is, where do you have discomfort about this? And then, you know, you work through it and see at the end of the day, if it's something you don't feel comfortable about, even if it's in maybe a gray area, then, Hey, why do it? I mean, is it really worth it? Right. Like, is it really worth it? If you, if you, even if you have sort of questions about it, maybe you stay away from it, not necessarily because it's sinful, mm -hmm. because it, like I said, it, it was not an illegal thing. It's right. just, you know, there's, I guess there's a lot of things that are potentially legal, but it, it, at least in theory could be sinful too. Yeah. And I'm going to, and please tell me if you think this doesn't fit into what we're talking about, okay. but it, that situation, like what you're kind of talking about makes me think of, um, Virginia legalizing marijuana. No. Okay. I'm sorry. I thought I was maybe. trying to read your mind. <laughs> Um, I have lots of questions about Virginia legal. <laughs> That's going to be an, an entire episode on itself. <laughs> um, It'll be episode 420 if perfect. we can get there. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> that'd be so perfect. Uh, um, I so I um, I'm not a. I mean, I love my family, yeah. but I've all like growing up, like we always lived away from you know, aunts, uncles, cousins, for the most part, yep. not crazy far, but like far enough to where you're not seeing them regularly. Right. Right. Like once or right. twice a year. And that has sort of started to bleed over into like my sister and then my, my, my dad and my mom, like I don't live close to them. Once I moved out of the house, I very, i actually didn't really ever live close to them. Yeah. And like, for instance, right now, my sister is the closest person to me. And I think she's like 10 hours away. Yeah. So I've just gotten accustomed to like, maybe seeing them once or twice a year. Now for Lauren, my wife, that's not normal for her. She's always, for the most part, lived pretty close to family within right, like right. easy driving, like three hours, four hours kind of max. And so, um, you know, as we're, as Lauren and I are like talking about planning trips for the year and when we can take vacation and all that kind of stuff, um, she's like, okay, so when are we going to see your family? And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> Like right. not a big deal. Sorry, dad, sister, if you're listening to this. Right. Um, I, I and that was such a big deal for Lauren. And like, how yeah, could you not yeah. want to see them? Isn't that doesn't isn't you know doesn't that make you feel bad that you don't want to go see them? And I'm like, oh, like, yeah. Why don't yeah. we just go see your family? And 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 so that's a moral dilemma. Yeah. For there's her. like a value, a tradition. Yeah. Um, a pattern. Yeah. And it's something that brings comfort and, and, um, you know, there's all kinds of reasons to that, you know, certain people would feel more comfortable with that. But I think that's a, that's a lot of things. So for her, it almost felt wrong that that was yeah. your perspective. Absolutely. For you, it feels normal. Yeah. But for her to put the, you know, to, to switch places with you would, would feel weird. Oh, absolutely. I, she would absolutely think that that was like, she would, if she felt that way, like the way I do, like she would feel like she was doing the wrong thing. So I, I think you're, you're making a really good point here, you know, outside of that context. I do, I do think it does fit in. Um, I think it fits in because 
there may be a lot of times where what we're doing when we're judging people's yeah. Um, you know, judging people's actions, maybe even judging our own actions is that we are applying a metric that is completely and totally informed by our own experience, mm-hmm. our own expectations for what people should and shouldn't do. Yeah. Maybe w- w- what was put into us by our parents right. or by our church, you know, family of origin, whatever, yeah. that that's really where it's coming from. I mean, maybe, I mean, there's nothing, I mean, there's honor your father and mother, right? But right. it doesn't say by calling them certain number of times a week or yeah. visiting them certain number of times yeah. a decade. Uh, so it's open to interpretation. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, we, I mean like Lauren and I argued about it. I mean, it was like a big deal. And so, you know, it's, it's so interesting that, you know, like exactly like you were saying is that it, I think that when it becomes more of a, I am judging you based off of what I feel that should be, whether or not I think that is right or wrong, yeah. doesn't mean that that's how you think that's right or wrong. And I think that's where, you know, sort of that, and I mean, and this is just my opinion, that Acts 15 comes in really well where it's like, all right, we're going to take you as you are right now, yeah. give you these things that like, I, like we really think that you have a good chance of being able to do. Right. Like we're not going to expect all of these things. We're going to expect these few things because one, I mean, it says, it said earlier, I can't remember which verse, maybe, maybe eight, maybe seven or eight where it said God knew their hearts. Right. And, um, I think he actually says purify them through the Holy spirit, but yeah, that's a whole nother conversation for another day. <laughs> um, yeah. but you know, if you can take someone from where they are, understanding, having an, at least a smaller understanding of, of how they grew up, the culture in which they live in, and their thought process, um, hopefully you can then maybe understand where they're at in this whole maybe right, wrong, sin, not sin kind of thing, and then grow through that. Because I think that we can we can agree that, like we said earlier, there are things that are sin. Are evil. They're sure. definitely evil, sinful things. Right. And I'm not saying that like you're going to encounter people that are just like, no, murder is super okay. But like, there's going to be instances where you're like, I don't know that I agree with that. I think one of those things would be, um, especially in the church, people that aren't married living together, and right. like that is, I think, I mean, that's something that's going to that people are going to struggle with in the church for a very long time. And I'm not saying that I did that and I'm not sitting here telling you that I think it's a great idea, but the best man at my wedding was like, are you sure you're going to marry her without living with her for a few years? So you know that it's okay. And there's logic there. I don't think that he's saying that because he's wanting me to do bad things. I think in his head, he's like, well, I mean, if you want it to work, why don't you try it out first before you make it permanent? Right. And, and, and so I don't know. I don't know how to bridge that gap completely without me saying, well, I don't know. I mean, like, and it wasn't a big deal. I mean, it doesn't like, it's not like we're not friends still, but like, I think that is such an interesting concept um, because we make it a big deal and other people are like, no, I mean, like, that's who you are. It's okay. Well, that, that's a great example. I think that's a, that's a perfect example of something that is a, um, you know, is a marker it's mm-hmm. a Christian marker. It's like a Christian identity thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, what makes you different as a Christian? It, it goes back to some of it has roots in this purity culture ideal yeah. where it's like, oh, well, it's it's abstinence. I mean, I mean, heaven forbid, we're, we're not even, you know, are we really even concerned whether you're sleeping together? No, the question is, did you move in together? Right. Right. It's like, well, what's <laughs> actually, what's actually the issue here? Yeah. Right. So I think that that is a, is a, I like that you put your finger on that one because that is, a, I think a hot button one where it's like, well, are, are you, are you actually Christian if you, if you live together before you're married? And I, you know, I, I do wonder whether, you know, when you create those kinds of black and white rules, particularly when you create a rule where not only in, not only in secular non-Christian society, it's, it's that that rule is not it, it, that that's not commonplace. All right. right? Yeah. So it, in other words, another way to say it, it's commonplace to live together before you get married. Yeah. But not only in the secular world, but in the Christian world, mm-hmm. it's commonplace as well. So when you when you find yourself, let's just take that as an example. When when Christian groups find themselves completely out of step with wide swaths of even their own 
mm-hmm. adherence, yeah. then I think you do have to start asking questions about, you know, where we're drawing lines. Right. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. You have to start asking questions about that and which things are helpful, which things are useful. Um, uh, and that's a good one. I love that. I, I, I love that one. Well, and, and I think that, you know, it, it definitely falls into the idea of putting yourself in a situation that could create temptation, that specific situation. But I mean, and, and, but that can also be applied to many different things is the idea of knowing yourself and knowing the people that you're with and deciding as to whether or not that's a situation that could create, you know, temptation to actually do sinful things. Right. Right. Um, Well, because what you're, what you, the, uh, I'm just going to state the premise, the underlying premise that you were stating here, separate and apart from the living together for married is the underlying premise is that it would be sinful to have sex before marriage. Even if two people were committed to each other monogamously, the your underlying assumption is that that would be sinful yeah that's yeah right so i guess what i'm saying with the acts 15 here Mm -hmm. is i'm saying um is that is and i and i understand there are definitely old testament and even you know potentially some new testament references scriptural references that you would use to leverage to make that a black and white sin category. I guess what I'm suggesting is Roman, can we uh, can we get together? Can we form our our council here and can we start talking about all the different uh, we t- you talked last week about the retention rate of young people. Can we start talking about the fact that if more than half of Christians are going to be living together before marriage and and beyond that if if more than 80% of Christians I'm just throwing numbers I'm making up numbers but if large numbers of Christians are actually going to be um, having sexual relations before marriage mm-hmm. that is is continuing to bind that purity sexual ethic on people as an identifying marker of you are a Christian if you if you do this, you are, or, or you you're a Christian if you do this. If you don't, maybe, maybe you're still a Christian, but you are you are sinning. You are living in sin. In fact, I think that's what the phrase is used that way, right? Right. Oh, yeah, they're yeah. living in sin. Right. In other words, they're sleeping together before they're married. Do we have the ability? Do we have the power? Do we have the authority, along with the Holy Spirit, to loose people from some of those, uh, from from some of those. Uh, those those morality codes, those uh, biblical morality codes. Um, I think we have the ability to decide how we're going to treat them and act around them, depending right. upon what Scripture gives us. Right. Right. So your position would be, you know, hate the sin, love the sinner. Like I, I'm, I'm, I, you still think it's sin, which is okay. Right. You know, you, you, I'm going to label it sin, but I'm not going to treat them. I'm still going to love them. I'm going to, you know. Tell them that this is not. I don't believe this is God's best for them. Sure, right? Yeah, but doesn't mean I don't. I don't. I mean, but I don't think that the relationship changes based off of whether I think what they're doing is right or wrong. Um, it just allows maybe for a an extra conversation or a different one, maybe. What happens? Let me just throw out a situation here. I'm aware of a couple of situations, and I realize this isn't. You know, this isn't data driven. Again, I was just throwing out numbers before, but I'm aware of at least a couple of situations where, um, you know, you had people who did abide by this purity code, this sexual ethic, this abstinence until marriage. And in a couple of situations um, after the marriage, there was severe sexual dysfunction that would have would have been obvious if there was sexual activity before marriage, but there wasn't. Right. And in such a way that it was not just detrimental, but like catastrophic to the marriage. Mm -hmm. So would you say even in those situations that, well, they still did the right thing. I mean, even if they end up divorced because of this, that they still did the right thing by, by waiting to get, by waiting to have sex 
by then getting married. Yeah. Even if that leads to divorce, because they had they had no idea that there would be that severe sexual dysfunction. Right. I mean, I, do I still think they did the right thing? Absolutely. Do I look at James 1, and I know you're not going to like this answer, but James 1 that says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, yeah, we have ways to sort of explain these things. I mean, and, and, I'm, and, I'm not, and I'm not trying to make it seem like, oh, that sucks, get over it. I'm not trying to say that, like, that's, that, like, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, that's, that is incredibly unfortunate. Yeah. But that doesn't take away what God has said, you know? Yeah. And, and people can accept, some people accept that and some people don't, and that's fine. I just, right. and just what, what, I don't put you on the spot, but like, in, what did God say? What do you I mean? mean? God said that in order to engage in sexual activity, you must be married. I mean, he talks about it in first Corinthians and he talks about it in, well, that's the, no, I just mean what with it's talking about uh, certainly adultery. I mean, I don't think we're not talking here about uh, adultery situation where somebody is married mm-hmm. and committed to somebody else right. and then sleeps with somebody else. We're talking about, you know, let, let's say for purposes of argument, two unmarried, monogamous, committed people engaging in sexual activity, you know, p- people who, you know, are, are, have decided to live together, be together, be a couple. Right. I mean, I, I guess my point is that that was not a reality in that society. That was not sort of like when we talk about homosexuality, like there in in Roman society, mm-hmm. you did not have two equals that were that acted as homosexuals. Yeah, it was always about power, and it was always the more powerful male, you know, subjecting the slave or the male prostitute or somebody else. That you did not have these committed, monogamous, equally yoked homosexual relationships, right? So I'm, I'm, I guess I'm saying the same thing. I'm saying in our current context, which is completely different from that context. Okay. Is there a way for us to understand what the sort of what the healthiest thing that that within the sort of realm of what is permissible? Right. That. Maybe one of the things that would be permissible is not to necessarily comply with these purity codes, many of which we've gotten rid of, but a, some some of which we hold on to really, really tightly, right. like that one. So, but that that's one at least for you. You're like, okay, we got to hold on to that one. We can't let that one go, regardless of how much time passes, regardless of how out of step that is with the rest of of uh, society, even within. Christianity, we got to hold on to that one for dear life. I mean, I, I think that first Corinthians seven says, because, but because of the temptation to sexual morality, each man should have his own wife and each woman, her own husband seems like there, right? Yeah, it seems like it's like, okay, you need to have like one person. Right. Right. And, but I, I guess I would just say that what we're talking about, I'm not talking about somebody having indiscriminate wanton sex. Right. No, I know. Right. I'm not talking about that at all. Yeah. I'm talking about people that are committed sort Mm -hmm. of in the same way that I was talking about homosexuality. So in, in some of those passages are line up with homosexuality too. Certainly. Right. That's right. They have those, they have those issues too. So I, I just wanted to put that out there. And and again, it's not, we don't have to agree on this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We're, you and I both are comfortable not necessarily agreeing right. on things. Yeah. I guess I just wanted to point out that there is biblical uh, examples. There are biblical examples, like in Acts chapter 15, where what the church leaders do, the leaders of this church do, is they come together and they take a look at sort of history and tradition and scripture, and they say, gosh, you know, what can we do to make it easier for these people to embrace the divine, for them to embrace, um, you know, the the life that Jesus gave for us as an example. Right. What can we do? And and they said it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything else besides these couple of things, right? And and right, one of them is sexual immorality. 
along with not eating the blood of strangled, strangled animals. animals. Yeah, don't do that. Okay. <laughs> um, and food sacrifice to idols. Yeah. So what, what's interesting is that even with these three things, you get a little later in, um, you have to give me the site, which Pauline letter it is, uh, the food sacrifice to idols chapter. Oh, uh, I don't, I should have, I should have known it. I should, of, I don't anyway, know. that ends up going away too, by right. the way. Yeah. So it, I guess it goes from three things down to two things. So they sort of amend themselves later. So I guess, again, my point is just from, from my perspective is that you do have some biblical examples here of people working through these sticky issues that were really, um, big issues in the church but yet coming to a place where once the people sort of read what the church had come to, the decision they come to, it said they were relieved and they were encouraged. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think that for me, it's kind of like I said before, it's, it's, it's being able to be okay with people with where they at, with where they, with where they are at. You yeah. know, I'm, I, I, we, we talked about the idea of, you know, starting with, uh, you know, we're all sinners and, you know, but instead going to, you know, not a bad person. Right. You're You're made in the image of God. Yeah. You're a good person. Right. I mean like, right. You're good. Right. And, and so we may make decisions. We make, we, we may choose ourselves over others. Um, I, I don't know. I just, this is just something, the reason I sort of, uh, I I wasn't expecting you to bring up that as an issue, (laughs) but I think this is the thing is that like um, just in a church community, again, not with hard data, you know, I, I'm, I, I've been in, in church communities and in a church community where you see almost every single adult child of, of not, not, I, I shouldn't have said almost every single, a large percentage of the adult children mm-hmm. of Christians. And these, these children were raised in youth groups and in the church. Yeah live with their partners before they get married. Right. Right. So increasingly it's some, it's an example of something that I see where whatever we're saying is completely out of step with what's actually happening, notwithstanding the teaching. So it makes me sort of wonder about the teaching and how helpful that it really is. And what are we really trying to get at? What actually is, what is the reason? What is the reason for limiting sexual activity at all. Like I, I, I think instead of just drawing the line, we need to understand what is it actually about? Isn't it more about what is the connection you are making with this person? And what is the commitment that you have to this person? Right? Isn't that what it's, a, isn't that what it's really about? And is it, is it just about procreation? I mean, I, I don't think that that that's not all that sex is. I think that that's, you know, that's sort of some of the arguments, maybe some of the arguments against gay marriage is that, well, that's why they can't be married because sex is for making children. But there's lots of, you know, people have sex not just to create children, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's God, it, it, God created it. It's a beautiful thing, right? Yeah. So I guess I'm saying that if, if we have these, if we have these issues like this that end up, I don't know. We, we create a morality code that is maybe talked about, but not lived out. How does that even make us look? <laughs> How does that make us look to anybody on the outside? I mean, probably a lot like Moses when he came down and the Israelites were worshiping a, another idol, right? I mean, left of their own devices, they were, they decided to do their own thing. Um, and, they were wrong, you know, I mean, and that's, that's something that they had to change and they were, I mean, punishment happens. Yeah. Um, does that, does that mean that they all of a sudden didn't become God's chosen people? No. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, you know, we, you know, there are, there are lines that are drawn for sin for great reasons, reasons that make a whole lot of sense. And then there are lines that, we have created, and I'm not saying we as in Brad and I, but humans in general have created because we like to make it about us and it makes things more convenient or easier. And it makes life the way that I want life to be. And I would say, I would, I agree with both of those. I also think there are lines that are perhaps drawn by scripture 
and there are many, many, many of them that we ignore. Sure. But we don't, but, but we willingly ignore them for whatever reason, because they don't, they don't line up with our practice. Oh yeah. But if they do line up with our practice, then we are fine to enforce them against other people Yeah. because they happen to line up with our practice. When I guess I'm sort of looking for a more consistent ethic with how we approach the scripture. Mm -hmm. If we're going to drop off, you know, these 610 commands, then I want to think about, well, okay, how, are we going to assess whether something like honor your father and your mother that they didn't say that they said, look, you need to still honor your father and your mother. That wasn't the three in the three they listed. Right. Is that a good idea? Well, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Right. It's a good thing. Call your dad, Roman, right. go <laughs> see him, plan a trip to him. <laughs> all right. Honor your father and mother. No, there, I, I think we each have to do our own calculus here. We each have to do our own work. Um, and, and I don't want you to hear me to say that I'm, I'm trying to argue that, oh yeah, well, everybody should be living together and having sex before oh, yeah, marriage. I don't think you're That's saying not that. what I'm saying. I'm saying that when we are working through what is a sin and what's not, you know, what's evil, what's not. I think there are certain situations where I think there's certain situations where two people who are looking to get married, there's no way they should be getting married. I don't care if they're not living together and they're, you yeah. know, not sinning, not dancing, right. not having sex. It doesn't Mixed matter. Bathing. They have no business getting married. Right. right? Um, but there's, uh, I think there, there's other situations and you just have to deal with them on a, on a situation by situation basis. And we're, we talked about being honest that we're going to be very influenced by the way we were raised, mm-hmm. by the way our families taught us, by the way our churches taught us. Yeah. All those things are going to impact what we see as a sin, um, for, for ourselves, for other people. Yeah, absolutely. And so as, as we're wrapping up now, um, man. 47 minutes got here quick. Yeah. Um, hopefully it got here quick for you guys listening. <laughs> um, but you know, I, the idea of sin and we started off with trying to define it and I don't, I don't think I did a very good job because I don't, I don't know that that's the point. I think the, the, the point here is that at least in my opinion, anyway, sin is going to happen. Um, at any level from any person, right? Myself included in that. That's not how I'm, that's not how I'm going to start a conversation, but like at some point I have to realize, and this is me personally, yeah. that I have to realize that there's going to be great things from an individual. There's going to be bad things from an individual, but I have to be able to understand that they were created in the image of God. That's where I find their value not in the things that I think that they do right, not in the things that I think they do wrong, but be solely because, and it's really the only reason that I need, is that they were created by God, and that's enough. And that's kind of all that needs to be is enough. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that. I like starting with that, you know, that Genesis 1 um, image of us, um, you know, being created uh, as part of God, God breathing into us and us bearing the divine image. I think, you know, for me, um, sin is a very personal thing in the sense that I want to be able to be honest with myself about where I fall short. But at the same time, I don't want my identity to be overwhelmed by my fallen shortness. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Because I don't believe that's how God views me. And it's something I struggle with. Mm-hmm. I, something I struggle with a lot, I think in, in, in many ways because of the way I was raised religiously. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is that where we have a tendency just to focus on those shortcomings. Um, but yeah, I think it's important to recognize that there, we do make decisions in our lives um, that, really limit human flourishing and our own lives, our own joy. But I'll tell you something else. Let me maybe end with this Roman, or I'll let you bring it home. But there are ways just to kind of flip this whole thing on its head. There are ways sometimes, maybe I don't know if this is the same for you, but some of my greatest lessons have come from sin. Yeah. 
right? Absolutely. Some of my greatest lessons have not come from the highest moral moments of my life, right? But they've actually come from the lowest moral moments of my life. Mm-hmm. The 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 times where I learned something in a way that I could never have learned it from a page in a book, mm-hmm. whether that's a Bible or any other book. Yeah. You learn through mistakes. And so I think it's all about how do we find a way to teshuva, to return back to the path with that knowledge that we've gained. And I believe that God is with us through that process, is with us through that process of, of even the sinning, of, of, of with us even in the sinning in order to be able to use that in such a way that we can learn from it and that we can, you know, hopefully try to avoid it, maybe teach other people. Yeah. Maybe you can you could teach them in such a way that th- that you can help them avoid something, or maybe they're going to have to learn it the hard way just like you did. Right. But um, so sin in that way, uh, you know, maybe there's like a sort of a silver lining there potentially. Yeah, absolutely. And um, no, I think you did a great job. I don't need to wrap up anything. I think you, you kind of nailed it there. And so... Um, Thank you guys so much for listening um, this week. And the plan is to be a little bit more consistent. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to take a month off. No. Lord willing. We're back on the horse. So, um, you know, thinking about, um, you know, moving forward in next week, we can get into, I think, maybe Jesus and the law. Maybe the way that, you know, Jesus handled those situations with different individuals when he's speaking and using scripture? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of what we were getting to today is how do you handle not just the scripture, but even more specifically the rules and the laws in scripture. And so I think it would be helpful to see how Jesus does that and maybe what we can learn from that and how, you know, we can... uh, maybe take on that model yeah it'll make me feel a whole lot better when it's not like my opinion it's what jesus said there we go let's um, do it that sounds great well hey thank you guys so much and have a blessed day